So good. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to 1 John. As you guys know, we've been hanging out in 1 John for a while. Um, so good. I, I love what uh, God is doing here in 1 John. And by the way, uh, something crazy is happening right now online. Um, the message I preached on Sunday, we've already had almost 200 people watch that message since Sunday uh, online. So praise the Lord for that. People from Shanghai and Australia and uh, Germany. Germany and all, so all over. So praise the Lord for that. Um, also, I just want to encourage us um, as I, I've been around a lot of Christians lately and there's been a lot of fear and anxiety over the elections um, in Christians. And just remember who your God is. Remember who you serve. Remember the, the uh, holy nation that you are a part of, that you are an ambassador for Christ, a representative of his kingdom. And his kingdom well advanced, by the way. Uh, his plan of salvation is still very healthy, still very vibrant, still very much alive. And whoever gets elected, uh, make sure you are uh, praying for them. Pray for your leaders. Pray for those who the Lord has appointed to be over you in authority. So um, I just would like to pray before I, I begin uh, for this election and for our country. Lord Jesus, I love you. And you could have put me anywhere, and yet you decided to place me in America. And God, I want to thank you for my country. I, th I want to thank you for the many blessings that are a part of being in this country. And Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, that you would speak by your spirit, that we as Christians would have our eyes opened up to who you are, that we'd have our eyes opened up to your character, to your nature, and to who you are by your spirit. Lord, would you just begin to show us what it looks like to have the fruit of the spirit all over us? Would you show us what it means to rise up for such a time as this with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? Lord, we want to be known as Christians, known as people that are full of your spirit. And so, Lord, would you just show us what that looks like? And God, I pray for our country, Lord. I pray that you would heal our land, that you would come in, Lord, by your spirit, and anyone who would call on your name, that you would save them, that any person, whether they're Republican, Democrat, Independent, anyone who would call upon your name, Lord, that you would come in salvation, redeem them, buy them with a price, and forgive them of all their sins. And so, Lord, we pray that this would be the year of salvation. This would be the year of revival. This would be the year where your harvest is truly uh, reaped, that the harvest is ripe, the workers are few, but this would be the year that workers would be sent into the harvest, and, and truly, Lord, that souls would be one for all eternity this year, this week, this day, Lord, and we thank you for that, God. We thank you for, uh, Lord, that you would even uh, care about us, that you would care about this country, and I believe that you do. You are not aloof. You are not indifferent. You are not up high just kind of watching us uh, destroy ourselves, that you are involved in our affairs. You actually care. Even now, Jesus, you are interceding on our behalf, and I thank you for that, God. I pray that you would do your work, do your will, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in this country, in this amazing country we call the United States of America, Lord, your will be done. We say yes to you, God. We choose to obey you, God, and we pray that you would shine your light like never before, and may your light shine through me and through all of us. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, this is a great verse today. There's a lot of passages similar to this uh, verse that you find here in 1 John. But let me go ahead and read it for you. It's 1 John chapter 2, and it's going to be 15, 16, and 17. If you remember last week, we did the three verses before that on young children, young men, and fathers. 
But here he says in 1 John 15, do not love the world, nor the things of the world. Have you guys heard that before? Are you guys familiar? Dude, she's awesome. You know, the younger they start speaking in tongues, the closer they are <laughs> to the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. She's beautiful. Praise the Lord. So do not love the world or the things of this world. Have you guys heard that before, right? That's a pretty familiar uh, statement from the Bible. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world is passing away, and also its lust. But the one who does the will of God, they will live forever. So do not love the world or the things of the world. And the Bible has a lot of statements about the world or the things of this world, and, and they always grab my attention because it's like Bible. I don't know if you realized Bible, but I'm in the world. Like, this is all I know. Like, I don't know another world, right? I don't, I've never been on another planet. This is all I know. This is what I see. This is what I experience all day long. And yet, here it is very clearly telling me, but don't love the world or don't love the things of the world. And so, as someone who is living in this world, I think we should all pay attention, close attention to these type of statements and say, okay, well, God, if, if this is what you're saying and, and if this is what you're saying by your holy scriptures, then uh, we're listening, but please tell us what that means. And, and actually he does. He goes on and, and he gives us some insights here. He says, don't love the world nor the things of the world. But then he says, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it's from the world. And it really is wonderful to have verse 16 as we wrestle through this concept and this idea. I love that verse 16 is here because the Bible is actually addressing in detail the things that are of the world. Right? Did you catch that? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and a prideful or a boastful pride of life. And he says these aren't the things of the Father. These are from the world. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and boastful pride of life. And I tell you, as I was going through this passage this week, this description of the world really hit me. Because as Christians, when we talk about the world, normally we're always talking about something that's out there, right? We're talking about external things. So the world might be the people that we associate with, right? Or the world might be some of the places that we go, or the world might be some of the activities that we're involved in that we enjoy to do. The world is always out there. But it hit me this week, when John is talking about the world, he's not talking about it being out there. No, he's cautioning us against the things of the world that are in here. See, he's addressing a worldliness that is internal, that actually begins in our heart. He says this worldliness is found in these three attitudes, in the lust of the flesh. Lust of the flesh, where you just have this preoccupation with gratifying the physical desires, right? Those physical desires that you have, that's what you're consumed by. Or the lust of the eyes where you're always craving uh, for things. You're always wanting to accumulate things where you're really worshiping that God of materialism. Or the boastful pride of life. And that's where you have this obsession 
with your status, this obsession with your importance on this earth. And so to really receive this message this morning and what this passage is trying to speak, speak to us about, I think we have to check our own attitudes, check our own hearts, go within, and really look and examine, are we loving the things of this world and the world, or are we loving the Father? So we have to look within. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to look within. Because this topic of the world, again, it's very possible, and I know it's possible because I've done this before. It's, it's very possible with this idea of the world to give an outward oppression or impression of avoiding the world, right? Avoiding worldly pleasures. And yet inside, you can still hold on to very worldly attitudes in your heart. Have you ever played that game before? I've been there so many times in my life. So you can look like you're avoiding the things of the world, and yet you can still struggle on the inside with the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and a boastful pride of life. But then look at the flip side, look at the life of Jesus. Jesus is amazing. I was reading through our reading plan this week, and and this week we went through the Gospel of Mark, and Jesus, he has this incredible ability to be very much in the world. Have you noticed that? I mean, he is in the world. He is loving sinners. He's hanging out with sinners. And yet at the same time, at the same time within, in his heart, as you read, you see this tremendous commitment to the values and the principles of his father's kingdom. So he lives in the world, but in, inside he is committed to obeying his father. And so I love this passage because it takes this idea of the world and where we can always complain about the world and how hard it is to live in the world. And yet here the word of God is revealing to us that maybe we shouldn't be complaining or griping about the world out there. Instead, we probably need to do some more examination of the world that lives in here. Now, that's probably not a very fun message to be heard this morning. It's really much more fun to complain about others than to examine ourselves, but we're just going to follow what the Word says here. So we're going to examine the world that is inside, and, and let's be honest, there's probably still parts of the world that are being expressed internally in us, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, boastful pride of life. The, the whole thing, again, reminds me of one of the passages, again, from Mark's gospel, and, and Jesus is speaking, but I, and I want to read it to you, but before I do, I just hope that we could all agree that part of life is temptation, right? Part of life is temptation. Every one of us faces temptation on a daily basis. It's a part of life, and we are tempted to sin. Some of us succumb to those temptations. Um, in fact, um, I'm pretty good at sinning, if, if I'm honest. Uh, I don't want to, but uh, sometimes, you know, it just, it just comes out. But this is something funny that we do. Um, when, we are sin, when we sin or when we're tempted to sin, we seem to always blame it on the devil. Anyone else do that, right? There's a very popular phrase. I think we've all used it before. The devil made me do it. It's pretty common. And so we, we take some of these just unintelligent decisions that we make. My mom would call them bonehead decisions. That is such a bonehead decision, Dan. But we would blame these poor decisions on the devil, right? The devil made me do it. And yet I ran across a passage this week where Jesus is speaking, and I noticed he doesn't blame the devil. Instead of blaming something out there, Jesus actually speaks about something that's in here. Listen to this passage. Jesus says, What comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Listen to this list. Sexual immorality, theft, 
murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. It's quite the list. Just a second, my notes are not in the right order here. Luckily they are numbered. You know why they're numbered? Because this has happened before where they weren't numbered. There we go. And this list, it really struck me that often, I'm talking about myself. I don't even need to talk about you. I blame the devil for these exact things. Right? And yet, look at Jesus. He says these things come from within. They come from a person's heart. Sexual immorality. Don't read the list again, Pastor Dan. I'm going to read the list again. <laughs> Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, folly, all these evils, they don't come from an attack of Satan, but they come from inside. And Jesus says they're a big deal. They're serious. They actually defile a person. So now you got these words from Jesus, and then you got these words from 1 John about these things of this world that are not of the Father, that come from inside, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. And this leads me to a huge point today, and, and I hope that you're able to track with me and hear what I'm about to say. Because, see, these passages, because of the passages I just read, this is why church can't just be a behavior modification program. This church can't just be a self-help warehouse where we just try to be better or just try to be nicer, where we just try to do more good things than bad things because these scriptures are describing what flows from the inside out. And so we have a bigger problem than just learning how to be nice. See, let me explain it this way. Since the day sin entered to this world, sin has spread like a virus. The world is sick with sin and outside of Christ we are sick with sin and one of the areas where sin has just had its way is with our hearts our hearts are sick with sin the prophet Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things the heart is desperately wicked and so our hearts because of the effects of sin our hearts are sick but you know what? God understood this. God knew this. And he loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to address this very issue. In Mark chapter 2, Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. He says, you know who needs a doctor? The sick. And he says, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. See, Jesus, he came for those of us who were sick, every one of us sick with sin. He came for sinners like you and like me. See, he saw how sin was being expressed in us and through us. He saw how we were of the world. Church, there was no difference between us and the world. We lived in the world. We lived in sin. And we had the consequences of sin written all over us. And the Bible is so clear. The Bible says the consequences of sin, the wages of sin, it's death. It's death. Paul says in the book of Philippians, he says those who are not saved, those who are outside of Jesus Christ, they have their minds set on earthly things, worldly things, and they are destined for destruction. 
That's who we are outside of Christ. We are dead in our sins. And yet again, Christ, because of the Father's love for us, he came for sinners. Even while we were full of sin, even as our hearts were full of wickedness and evil, he came for us. As the book of Romans tells us, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. But what's important and what I hope you hear me saying this morning, it isn't as sinners that we would try to sin less or that we would just try to be better people or just do more good than bad. I've said this before at LifeSpring, but a dead person who does a bunch of good things is still dead. You can't be less dead. You're dead. You're dead. You don't need a behavior modification system. You don't need a self-help guide. You don't need the three steps or the four steps or the five steps or how many steps you think you need for a fuller life. You need to be not dead. You need to be brought from death to life where you're no longer dead, but you are born again. Where you are no longer dead, but born again. And so if you're in this world and if you have the, deceitful and the deceitfulness and the wickedness of evil flowing from your heart, you don't just need a change of heart. You don't just need an improved heart. You need a new heart. Everyone say new heart. new heart. A new heart. And I have good news for you this morning. That is exactly what God promises us in Christ. See, the beauty of Christianity is that Jesus didn't just come in and try to make us better people. He actually comes in and he brings us from death to life. Scripture is clear. We don't need to just try to improve our wicked hearts. He actually gives us a new life with a new heart. Hallelujah. In Ezekiel 36, 26, the Lord says, I'm going to give you a new heart. And a new spirit I'm going to put in you. I'm going to remove that heart of stone. I'm going to remove the heart of stone from your flesh. And I'm, or from your flesh. And I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. A new creation, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us. If you're in Christ, you're new. You're a new creation. All that old stuff, it's gone. It's passed away. Behold, the new has come. John 3.3. 3, truly, truly, I tell you, no one can see the the kingdom of God unless you are born again where you are no longer dead but you are born again Romans 6 4 we were buried with him you know what you know why you're buried because you've died you're dead you were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father we too may walk in newness of life newness of life ephesians 4 verse 22 he says christians you got to put off your old self which is by the way listen to this being corrupted by its deceitful desires you got to take that off instead verse 24 says you got to put on what your new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We put on a new self. We walk in a newness of life. We are born again, a new creation with a new heart. That's what the Bible tells us. And so in regards to this passage from 1 John, we're faced with these two paths, aren't we? Uh, truly, I mean, either you're living for this world and the things of this world, or you're living for the Father. But I want to encourage you, if you're a Christian here this morning, I want to encourage you, don't get too stressed out about this, whether you're going to live for the world or you're going to live 
for the Father. Let me explain it simply today. If you're a Christian, and by the way, that's not for me to judge. I, I really don't know. That's between you and the Father. But if you're a Christian, you have a new heart. You have a new heart. That's just the reality of who you are. And your new heart will not live for this world. The new heart that God gave you, he did not give you this new heart full of wickedness and full of evil desires. He did not give you that kind of heart. This new heart, it has been born of God. This new heart, its deepest desire is to praise God, is to worship God, to give him glory, to love him and love others as yourself. That's the heart that God has given you. But yes, you're still in this world, right? You're still tempted. There's still temptation in this world. For as long as you and I walk this earth, guess what? We will face temptation. But it no longer comes from within your heart. I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. It no longer comes from within your heart. That is why as Christians, it is so important for all of us to remember who we are. You need to remember who you are. And the only way to remember is if you allow the Holy Scriptures and the Holy Spirit remind you of who you are. You're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And remember, at the depths of who you are, you are now in Christ. And your greatest desire from the depths of who you are is to please God. In Christ, you are holy. In Christ, you are blameless. In Christ, you are perfect. In Christ, you are righteousness. But unfortunately... Too many of us are still defining ourselves by what we're tempted by or we're defining defining ourselves by the sins that we commit. We've allowed sin to define us. Sin to define us. But the Bible tells us as Christians, this is good news, sin, it no longer defines us. Sin is no longer our master. Sin has lost its grip. The Bible says we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be rendered powerless, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 7, for when we died with Christ, we were set, set free from the power of sin. Hallelujah. We've been set free, church. Sin is no longer our master. Where we once were slaves to sin, even dead in our sins, we're now free. Not only are we free, we're we're dead. Now we are alive. We are alive in Christ. We're not alive in this world. We're not alive in our sin. No, we are alive in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. That's who you are as a Christian. You are alive in Christ. So again, going back to our text for today, John is reminding us of who we are. He says, those of us who are in Christ, we are not of this world. John wants to remind all believers, all of Jesus' followers, young, old, do not love the world nor the things of this world. That's not who you are, he'd tell you. If you love the world, the love of the Father, it's not in you. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life, it's not from the Father, it's from the world. The world is passing away. All those lusts, they're passing away. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. And if you're a Christian here this morning, that's who you are. That's who you are. You're in Christ and the love of the Father is in you. And you do the will of God and you're going to live forever. I think some of us, we, 
might need that reminder today. Because as Christians, we can just kind of walk through this, I'd call it an identity crisis. We forget who we are. And so we start loving the world, we start loving the things of the world instead of loving the Father. We can all slip into that, all of us can. But the beauty of this passage is that it reminds all of us, wherever we might be on this faith journey, that as Christians, that's not who we are. Maybe it was who we are at one point in our lives, but as Christians, as ones who love the Father and ones who have the love love of the Father in us, as Christians, as verse 17 declares, we are the ones who do the will of God and we are the ones who live forever. And all the rest of this, all the world, and all the lusts of the world, man, it's all passing away. But we go on. <laughs> the children of God, we go on. And we do the will of God. And we live forever. And I think God would want to remind all of us of that truth this morning. Now, if you're not a Christian here today, I hope you might consider it. I cannot force you to follow Jesus And honestly, I I wouldn't want to try to force you because it's not a decision that I can make for you. But I can share these scriptures with you. These scriptures that hold a promise for you that your heart can be made new if you accept Jesus' death for the payment of your sins. Jesus' death and resurrection, it can forgive you of all your sins. You can be born again. You can have a new spirit and a new heart. I can't promise you that you'll never be tempted again. Sin is all around you. The Bible tells us the devil is real. The Bible says he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But what I can promise you, and I love the last song that we sang about trusting God, that if you put your trust and faith in Jesus, he will make you new. I can guarantee it. He'll make you new. And the Bible says he's going to put his spirit, his Holy Spirit, in you. And the Bible also tells us if you let him, if you give him permission, he'll actually give you the power that you need. By his spirit, he'll give you the power that you need as a new creation, give you the power that you need to stand firm and resist the devil. It also says that he will give you the power that you need, again, by his spirit, give you the power that you need to flee from temptation. And he'll always give you a way out. But first, you must choose to follow him. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you want that new life today, I I would like to pray for you in just a moment. For the rest of us, remember last week's message. John had this amazing encouragement for everyone who's in the family of God. He had encouragement for those who are spiritual infants. He said, be encouraged because you know the Father and you know the love of the Father. He had encouragement for those who had progressed to young men and young women of the faith. He said, be encouraged, you are strong because the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the evil one. Then he had an encouragement for spiritual fathers and mothers. He said, you know him who is from the beginning. And today, John's words, the passage that we've read, it's for everyone in the family of God, children, young men, Fathers, from the spiritually immature to the spiritually mature, wherever you are on this faith journey, in the process of becoming more like Christ, right now, you can, in this moment at 9.50, you can refocus, recenter, and come back to your first love, Jesus Christ. 
See, if this world and the things of this world have grabbed your attention, if they've grabbed your time, if they've grabbed your focus and your energy, today the Father wants to grab you back. (laughs) He's ready to grab you back. It's time to come back to the Father. It's time to remember who you are and also remember whose you are. You are a part of God's family. You are a child of God. And the love of the Father is in you. That's just who you are. When you accepted Christ, that's what happened in you. The old is gone and the new has come. Some of you just need to remember that you know the Father. And because you know the Father, your sins are forgiven. It's time to live like one who's forgiven. One who's actually been set free from the power of sin. Who has been brought from death to life. Today you can live for him. You can live for God. And all those things that tempt us. All those things that try to pull us away from true godly living, they're all going to pass away, but you're going to remain. You're going to live forever, and you will obey the commands of God. You will follow God. Remember who you are this morning, my brother and sister in Christ. And so that's my heartbeat today, is that you would remember this truth. Remember your true identity. I love what Paul says. He says, you are not your own. He says, you've been bought at a price. And then he says, therefore, glorify God with your body. Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. You know, with this season that we're in as a country, man, I just have a passion. I believe it's time for us to just allow our true nature to shine like who we really are in Christ. Too many Christians being tempted by the things of this world and the things coming out of your mouth, man, they just sound a lot like the world. But I think it's time to remember who you are and allow the things that come out of you to be a little bit more like Jesus, right? And don't force it. Just remember who you are. That's already what you have within you. You do not have to go to a mountain to find God. God is in you. The spirit of truth is in you. He has given you a new heart heart a new life as he would say walk in the newness of this life rise up and by the way you don't need to be afraid of the world but also I want to encourage some of you because this is a big deal for some of the Christians I meet you don't have to be afraid of your heart you don't have to be afraid of your heart if you're a believer here you need to hear this you can trust your heart You can trust that new heart that was given to you when you were born again. Instead of being afraid of the world, you know what? You can actually go into the world. As Jesus was sent into the world, you, with your new heart, as a new creation, can be sent into the world. In fact, I want to close with the very words that Jesus prayed to his heavenly Father. And worship team, if you'd come on up. This is what Jesus prays. And when he prays to his Father, He's praying for you, and he's praying for me. Pay attention to what he says about the world. He says, Father, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. Because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Listen to what he prays. He says, I don't ask that you take them out of the world. Sometimes I think that would be a nice solution. Jesus, take me now. Have you ever prayed that one? But yeah, beam me up, Scotty. But he says, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but to keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. So, Father, 
Sanctify them in the truth. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me, Father, into this world, he says, I have also sent them into the world. Lifespring. You're a new creation in Christ. You're not of the world. You're not of the world. You need to remember that. But you also need to know that you might not be of the world, but Jesus is sending you into the world today. It's the only world we know, right? We're not getting beamed to another planet. This is our world. But he doesn't send you. You just need to hear this today. He doesn't send you as one who is full of the lust of the flesh, full of the lust of the eyes, full of that boastful pride of life. No, Jesus sends you out today as a new creation. He sends you out today as one who's forgiven. Not just forgiven of past sins, but forgiven of all your sins. Past, present, and future. You are forgiven. You've been made new. You have been born again. And you are one who knows the Father. And you know the perfect will of the Father. And you are one who will do the perfect will of the Father. And you will live forever. Christian, remember who you are. You are in Christ a new creation. Let's pray.